0: Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. For a half century, mathematicians have believed that the total number of real numbers is unknowable. A new proof suggests otherwise. That's next. Quanta Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. In October of 2018, David Aspero was on holiday in Italy, gazing out a car window when it came to him. The missing step of what's now a landmark new proof about the sizes of infinity.
1: It was like this flash experience.
0: Aspero is a mathematician at the University of East Anglia in the United Kingdom. He contacted the collaborator with whom he'd long pursued the proof, Ralph Schindler, of the University of Münster in Germany. And he described his insight. Schindler says it was completely incomprehensible to him, but eventually the duo turned the incomprehensible into solid logic. Their proof appeared in May in the Annals of Mathematics. It unites two rival axioms that have been posited as competing foundations for infinite mathematics. Aspero and Schindler showed that one of these axioms implies the other, raising the likelihood that both axioms, and all they hint at about infinity, are true. Menachem Magador is a leading mathematical logician at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem.
2: It's a fantastic result. Uh, To be honest, I was trying to get it myself.
0: Most importantly, the result strengthens the case against the continuum hypothesis, a hugely influential 1878 conjecture about the strata of infinities. Both of the axioms that have converged in the new proof indicate that the continuum hypothesis is false, They also suggest an extra size of infinity sits between the two that 143 years ago were hypothesized to be the first and second infinitely large numbers. Ilyas Farah, a mathematician at York University in Toronto, says it gives us a coherent alternative to the continuum hypothesis, the result is a victory for the camp of mathematicians who feel in their bones that the continuum hypothesis is wrong. Juliet Kennedy is a mathematical logician and philosopher at the University of Helsinki.
3: It's an amazing time, and this result is a tremendous, tremendously clarifying the picture and very, very important.
0: But another camp favors a different version of infinite mathematics in which the continuum hypothesis holds. The battle between these sides is far from one. Here's Kennedy again.
3: When it comes to the size of the continuum, wait a minute, how can we not know how many real numbers there are? So there's this tremendous drive to find what Gödel called the intended model of set theory. And that's why there's this big, big struggle. I think it's one of the most intellectually exciting and absolutely dramatic things that has ever happened in the history of mathematics. Where we are right now, which is, are we on the brink of permanent set theoretic independence?
0: Yes. Infinity comes in many sizes. In 1873, German mathematician Georg Cantor shook math to the core when he discovered that the real numbers that fill the number line outnumber natural numbers like 1, 2, and 3, even though there are infinitely many of both. Infinite sets of numbers mess with our intuition about size— so, as a warm up, compare the natural numbers like 1, 2, 3, and so on, with the odd numbers 1, 3, 5, you get it. You might think the first set is bigger, since only half its elements appear in the second set, but Cantor realized that the elements of the two sets can be put in a one on one correspondence. You can pair off the first elements of each set, such as 1 and 1. Then you pair off their second elements, two and three, and then their third, three and five, and so on forever, covering all elements of both sets. In this sense, the two infinite sets have the same size, or what Cantor called cardinality. He designated their size with the cardinal number Aleph zero but Cantor discovered that natural numbers can't be put into one-to-one correspondence with a continuum of real numbers. For instance, try to pair 1 with 1.000000 and 2 with one point zero 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 one, and you'll have skipped over infinitely many real numbers. You can't possibly count them all. Their cardinality is greater than that of the natural numbers. Sizes of infinity don't stop there. You might remember from math class that a power set is the set of all subsets of its elements. Cantor discovered that any infinite set's power set has larger cardinality than the original set does. Every power set itself has a power set so that cardinal numbers form an infinitely tall tower of infinities, Cantor started small. He managed to prove that the set formed from different ways of ordering natural numbers has cardinality aleph one. That's one level up from the natural numbers. Plus, each of these order types encodes a real number. Cantor's continuum hypothesis asserts that this is exactly the size of the continuum, that there are precisely all F1 real numbers. In other words, the cardinality of the continuum immediately follow all F0, the cardinality of the natural numbers, with no sizes of infinity in between. But Cantor couldn't prove it. In 1900, mathematician David Hilbert put the continuum hypothesis first on his famous list of 23 math problems to solve in the 20th century. Hilbert was enthralled by the budding mathematics of infinity. He called it Cantor's paradise. And the continuum hypothesis seemed like its lowest hanging fruit. Seems easy, right? Not so fast. The trouble arose in 1931, when logician Kurt Gödel discovered that any set of axioms that you might posit as a foundation for mathematics will inevitably be incomplete. There will always be questions that your list of ground rules can't settle and true mathematical facts that they can't prove. As Grudel suspected right away, the continuum hypothesis is such a case, a problem that's independent of the standard axioms of mathematics. These axioms, 10 in all, are known as ZFC, short for Zermelo-Frankel axioms, with the axiom of choice. They're the foundation of almost all of modern math. The axioms describe basic properties of collections of objects or sets, Since virtually everything mathematical can be built out of sets, the rules of sets help construct proofs throughout math. In 1940, Gödel showed that you can't use the ZFC axioms to disprove the continuum hypothesis. Then in 1963, American mathematician Paul Cohen showed the opposite. You can't use them to prove it either. Cohen's proof, together with Gödel's, means the continuum hypothesis is independent of the ZFC axioms. They can have it either way. In addition to the continuum hypothesis, most other questions about infinite sets turn out to be independent of ZFC as well. This independence is sometimes interpreted to mean that these questions have no answer, but most set theorists see that as a misconception. They believe the continuum has a precise size. We just need new tools of logic to figure out what that is. These tools will come in the form of new axioms. Here's Magador again. So
2: the question is, what do you do with it? So one direction, which is now popular at least among the set theorists, is to try to say, okay, the axioms do not settle these problems. We should extend them to a richer axiom system that will settle the problem. But how do you do that?
0: Basically, it's ZFC as a means to mathematical truth that's lacking, not truth itself. Ever since Cohen, set theorists have sought to shore up the foundations of infinite math by adding at least one new axiom to ZFC. This axiom should illuminate the structure of infinite sets, engender natural and beautiful theorems, avoid fatal contradictions, and of course, settle Cantor's question. Grudel, for his part, believed that the continuum hypothesis is false, that there are more real sets than Cantor guessed. He suspected there are Aleph two of them. He predicted, as he wrote in 1947, that the role of the continuum problem in set theory will be this, that it will finally lead to the discovery of new axioms, which will make it possible to disprove Cantor's conjecture. Two rival axioms emerged to do just that— For decades, they were suspected of being logically incompatible. Here's Ralph Schindler.
4: There had always been this tension between the forcing axioms and then star, and if they had been disagreement or not consistent with each other, one would have had to decide which one is true or are they both false, and if so, what is true?
0: To understand them, we have to go back to Paul Cohen's 1963 work, where he developed a technique called forcing. Cohen started with a model of the mathematical universe that included all F1 reels. He used forcing to enlarge the continuum to include new reels beyond those of the model. Cohen and his contemporaries soon found that, depending on the specifics of the procedure, forcing lets you add however many reels you like. Aside from new reels, mathematicians generalized Cohen's method to conjure up all manner of other possible objects, some logically incompatible with one another. This created a multiverse of possible mathematical universes. Hugh Wooden is a set theorist at Harvard University. Cohen's method
1: creates an apparent ambiguity in our conception of the universe of sets. Because if I'm in a universe of sets... Cohen's method shows me blueprints for like virtual extensions of the universe of sets. And those virtual extensions have many different properties. The continuum hypothesis might be true in one of the virtual extensions. It might be false. So it creates this kind of cloud of virtual universes. And how do I know which one I'm in? So it challenges the conception of the universe of sets.
0: It wasn't clear when or even whether an object, just because it could be conceived of with Cohen's method, really exists. To address this problem, mathematicians posed various forcing axioms. These are rules that established the actual existence of specific objects rendered possible by Cohen's method. Here's Magador again.
2: If you could imagine an object to exist, then it does exist. So this is the kind of guiding intuitive principle that leads the forcing axioms. In
0: 1968, Magador, Matthew Foreman, and Saharon Shelah took this to its logical conclusion by posing Martin's maximum. It says anything you can conceive of using in any forcing procedure will be a true mathematical entity so long as the procedure satisfies a certain consistency condition. Martin's maximum is expansive, but in order to simultaneously permit all of those products of forcing while satisfying that constancy condition, the size of the continuum jumps only to a conservative Aleph two. That's one cardinal number more than the minimum possible value. Besides settling the continuum problem, Martin's maximum has proved to be a powerful tool for exploring the properties of infinite sets. Proponents say it fosters many sweeping statements and general theorems. By contrast, assuming that the continuum has cardinality all F1 tends to yield more exceptional cases and roadblocks to proofs. Here's Magador.
2: In some sense, the inner models, which are constructed like Gettl's thing, they answer a lot of questions. But for my taste, it's a matter of taste, but the answer in the wrong direction. Not that I believe that there is an absolute truth. I even once gave a talk that I called it L. The G- Gettles' L is the paradise of counterexamples.
0: Martin's Maximum became massively popular as an extension of ZFC, But then in the 1990s, Wooden proposed another compelling axiom that also kills the continuum hypothesis and pins the continuum at all F2, but by a totally different route. Hugh Wooden named the axiom star. It looks like an asterisk in parentheses.
1: I didn't want it to be Wooden's axiom, so I had to give it a name. So I just... Star is like a bright source, a source of structure, a source of light. Also, I look at the keyboard and, well, I'm not going to call it the pound axiom. I'm not going to call it the dagger axiom. So star is clearly a good one. I mean, the star axiom was a very unexpected development and it arose from another theorem. And it was understanding that theorem that led the star
0: Star concerns a model universe of sets that satisfies the nine ZF axioms, plus the axiom of determinacy, rather than the axiom of choice. Determinacy and choice logically contradict each other, which is why Star and Martin's maximum seemed irreconcilable. But Wooden devised a forcing procedure by which to extend his model mathematical universe into a larger one that is consistent with ZFC. It's in this universe that the star axiom holds true. What makes star so illuminating is that it lets mathematicians make statements of the form, for all x, there exists y, such that z, when referring to properties of sets within the domain. Such statements are powerful modes of mathematical reasoning. One such statement is for all sets of all F1 reals, there exist reals not in those sets. This is the negation of the continuum hypothesis. So, according to Starr, Cantor's conjecture is false. Ralph Schindler says the fact that star-lets mathematicians conclude this and assert many other properties of sets of reals makes it an attractive hypothesis. With two highly productive axioms floating around, proponents of forcing faced a disturbing surplus. Which one do you choose? If the axioms contradicted each other, then adopting one would mean sacrificing the other's nice consequences, and the judgment call might feel arbitrary. Instead, Schindler's new work with David Aspero shows that Martin's maximum double plus, a technical variation of Martin's maximum, implies star. Schindler says if you unify these theories, as he and Aspero did, it supports the idea that maybe people got something right.
4: I think what we did gives information. It might have some significance. It's not clear to me how people will see everything in, let's say, 50 years concerning the continuum hypothesis. I think we are far away from having some kind of semi-complete picture.
0: For Aspero and Schindler, their works started when they were young researchers together at an institute in Vienna 20 years ago. Their proof germinated several years later when Schindler read a manuscript by set theorist Ronald Jensen. In it, Jensen invented a technique called L forcing, Schindler was impressed by it and asked a student to try to develop it further. Five years later, in 2011, he described L forcing to Aspero, who was visiting him in Germany. Aspero immediately suggested that they might be able to use the technique to derive star from Martin's maximum double plus. They announced that they had a proof the next year, in 2012. Wooden immediately identified a mistake, and they withdrew their paper. They revisited the proof often in the years that followed, but they invariably found that they lacked one key idea in the logical chain leading from Martin's maximum double plus to star. Or in the words of Aspero.
1: There was one key ingredient that was like the missing link.
0: Their plan of attack for deriving the latter axiom from the former was to develop a forcing procedure similar to L-forcing. They would use that to generate a type of object called a witness. This witness verifies all statements of the form of star. So long as the forcing procedure obeys the requisite consistency condition, Martin's maximum double plus will establish that the witness, since it can be forced to exist, exists. So star then follows. Aspero says they knew how to build such forcings, but they couldn't see how to guarantee that their forcing procedure would meet the key requirement of Martin's Maximum. Aspero's flash experience in the car in 2018 finally showed the way. They could break up the forcing into a recursive sequence of forcings, each satisfying necessary conditions. Aspero remembers feeling confident that this ingredient would make the proof work. Still, it took further flashes of insight from both Aspero and Schindler to work it all out. The convergence of Martin's Maximum Double Plus, or MM Double Plus, and star creates a solid foundation for a tower of infinities in which the cardinality of the continuum is all F2. Peter Kellner is a set theorist at Harvard.
4: We know star is compatible with large cardinals, so it, it passes the same kind of test that AC passed when Gödel showed that at least it was safe. People were worried about AC, and Gödel's consistency proof showed, well, you're not going to refute it from ZFC, so it's safe. And this is like that. It shows that you're not going to refute it from large cardinal axioms, so it's safe. But then the question is, is is it true? Should it be adopted?
0: Kellner says knowing the strongest forcing axiom gives us information.
4: But then the question is, you know, is it evidence for MM++? double plus? or is it evidence against M double plus? And really that depends on what your take on star was.
0: The convergence result will focus scrutiny on star's plausibility, since star allows mathematicians to make those powerful, for all x, there exists y, statements that have consequences for the properties of the real numbers. Despite Starr's usefulness in permitting those statements, seemingly without contradiction, Kellner is among those who doubt the axiom. One of its implications is a mirroring of the structure of a certain large class of sets with a much smaller set. That strikes Kellner as strange. And Hugh Wooden, the person who might have been most enthusiastic about Starr's correctness, did something no one expected. So I'm considered a traitor.
1: Because 20 years ago, with the discovery of star, I advocated that CH was false and star axiom was true. But meanwhile, I rejected that view. So there is something about star, which is a little troubling if you were thinking about it mathematically.
0: 25 years ago, when he posed star, Wooden thought the continuum hypothesis was false, and thus that star was a source of light. But about a decade ago, he changed his mind. He now thinks that the continuum has cardinality f one and that star and forcing are, in his words, doomed. Wooden calls Aspero and Schindler's proof a fantastic result that deserves to be in the annals of mathematics, widely considered to be the top math journal.
1: The star story is intriguing because of the convergence. The two completely different axiomatic approaches landed on the same axis in the end. And that always can be construed as evidence for truth.
0: But Wooden doesn't buy it. There's the issue mentioned by Kellner and another even bigger problem that Wooden identified in a flash experience of his own in 2019, shortly after reading the preprint of Aspero and Schindler's paper. Wooden calls it an unexpected twist in the story. When he posed star, Wooden also posed stronger variants called star-plus and star-double-plus. They applied to the full power set of the reals. It's known that star-plus generally contradicts Martin's maximum. Wooden began to share a new proof with other mathematicians in May. In it, he showed that star-plus and star-double-plus are equivalent. That means star double plus contradicts Martin's maximum in various models, also. Star plus and star double plus far outshine star for one reason. They permit mathematicians to make statements of the form. There exists a set of reals. And so they can describe and analyze properties of any and all sets of reals. Star doesn't provide such an existential theory of sets for reals, and because Martin's maximum seems to contradict star plus and star double plus, it seems that existential statements about sets of reals might not be possible in the Martin's maximum framework. For Wooden, this is a deal breaker. The other main players are all still digesting Wooden's proof, but a few stressed that his arguments are conjectural. Even Wooden acknowledges that a surprising discovery could change the picture and his opinion, as has happened before. Many in the community await the results of Wooden's attempt to prove the ultimate L conjecture, that is the existence of an all-encompassing generalization of Gödel's model universe of sets. Wooden has good reason to think ultimate L exists, and he's now at least 400 pages into a proof attempt Schindler says Wooden's interest goes beyond that proof.
4: He has some kind of philosophical motivation in in working in, in his area, right? I mean, he doesn't want to just prove theorems. He kind of has this goal of understanding the universe, and he wants to develop this.
0: If ultimate L exists, Wooden will consider it obvious that the dream axiom to add to ZFC must be the ultimate L axiom, or the statement that ultimate L is the universe of sets, and in Ultimate L, Cantor is right. The continuum has cardinality f one If the proof works out, the Ultimate L axiom will be, if not an obvious choice of extension for ZFC, at least a formidable rival for Martin's maximum. Ever since Gödel and Cohen established the independence of the continuum hypothesis from ZFC, infinite math has been a choose your own adventure story. Set theorists can force the number of reals up to any level and explore the consequences. But with Aspero and Schindler's result pointing compellingly to Lf2 and Wooden building the case for Lf1, a clear dichotomy has established itself. An outright winner seems newly possible. Most set theorists would love a single picture of Cantor's paradise, one that's beautiful enough to call true. Kennedy for one thinks we may soon return to that prelapsarian world before the fall of man.
3: David Hilbert, when he gave this speech, wir werden wissen, We will know, we have to know. He says, human dignity depends upon us being able to decide things in mathematics in a yes or no. For them, people like Godel, people like David Hilbert, this was a matter of redeeming the human race whether mathematics is what we always thought it was, right? This method to establish the truth and not just establish this truth, that truth, that truth as a number of possibilities. No, the continuum is this size, period.
0: <laughs> Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Natalie Wiltrover's full article, How Many Numbers Exist? Infinity Proof moves math closer to an answer on our website, quantummagazine.org, Explore more math mysteries in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press, available now at amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quanta Magazine Science Podcast, and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast.